Welcome to the In Touch Podcast with Charles Stanley for Monday, March 6th. How much do you know about God? Today's lesson points us to Scripture for the only accurate understanding of the Lord. Discover more about the character of God by learning about His incomparable name. When you read the Psalms, you find over and over and over again references to the praise of God's name. Psalm 135 says, Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the name of the Lord. Praise him, O ye servants of the Lord. Ye that stand in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing praises unto his name, for it is pleasant. Psalm 145, the psalmist begins. I will extol thee, my God, O King, and I will bless thy name forever and ever. Every day will I bless thee, and I will praise thy name forever and ever. And the last verse of that chapter says, My mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord, and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. No study on God would be complete without us looking at his name. And as you go through the Bible, there are many, many names that refer to God. And some of them you could recall. But as I began to study the names of God to see what was really involved, not only did I get my heart blessed in the study of it, but I got my heart challenged in what I believe these names require in their very essence. Now, today, people name their children by certain names because of certain things. They, for example, if a person has a name that they like best of all, sometimes they'll name their son or daughter by that name. Or sometimes it's to commemorate their parent, their mother, their father, their uncle, or someone in the home. Or sometimes it may be uh, some other reason for which they give a child a name. In the Old Testament, they never gave names uh, in that manner. But there was always a specific reason for naming a child. For example, Hannah, when she named Samuel, said, I call him Samuel because I asked the Lord for him. So there was a deep desire in her heart, and Samuel was the result of that desire. When Pharaoh's daughter pulled him out of the water, or at least uh, uh, his sister did, and presented him to Pharaoh's daughter, she said, I'll call him Moses because we drew him out of the water. When you go to the judges and you find Samson, Samson was called by that name, I believe, because God knew the work that would be before him. Look at the life of the Lord Jesus Christ and look at his name. In fact, you can go all through the Old Testament and find people were given specific names for a very definite reason. But there was something else interesting to me that sometimes God would call the name. For example, it is God who gave John the Baptist his name. They wanted to name him Zachariah or probably had lots of names they wanted to call him, but His mother said, no, his name is to be John. It is God the Father who named the Lord Jesus Christ because the angel said, thou shalt call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall be the Savior of his people. God changed Abram's name to Abraham. He changed Saul's name to Paul. He changed Simon's name to Peter. When I began to look and see the very important importance that God placed upon a name and how he named men and how he changed the name of men whom he'd chosen for great tasks. 
It's easy for me to see that when you come to the name of God, that God didn't get his name haphazardly, that it's not just the name for deity, but God's name, every single name for God in the Bible is full of rich and beautiful meaning for us. I want us to take, first of all, the name Elohim. The name Elohim, if you're writing notes, that's E-L-O-H-I-M. It is the word found in Genesis chapter 1, the very first verse. It is found over 2,700 times in the Bible. 32 times in the first chapter of the Bible, Elohim. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And you see, it's not just some name that man has given to him. But you see, because God is God. God saw to it in the inspiration of the scriptures that the names by which men would know him would be names that are full and rich with meaning. Now, if you break that name down, here's what you'll discover. Elohim. The first part of that means strength, power, might. Elohim. The last part of that name comes from the root that means to swear or covenant keeping or a promise. So when you and I read the name Elohim, what do we find? When it says in the beginning, God, what does that word mean? What does the word God mean? It means simply this. Elohim means he who is infinite in power and absolute in faithfulness. Elohim, in the beginning, God, he who is infinite in strength, infinite in power, infinite in might, and he who is absolutely and unswervingly faithful, absolutely faithful. Now, when I began to look at that and begin to think in, in terms, Lord, what does that mean to us personally? Well, I thought about Noah, for example. You recall, look in Genesis chapter 8, if you will. You recall that God told him to make an ark. And the Lord said to him, I want you to go in the ark and carry two of this and two of that and two of the other. And he did exactly that. And then it says in chapter 8, verse 1, and God, Elohim, remembered Noah. Not only did he have the infinite power and strength to deliver him in a flood that covered the world, but he was faithful to remember Noah, whom he closed in the ark. When I began to understand what that word meant, I began to think, how in the world can any Christian ever call upon God and ever doubt that he's able to fulfill his will? You see, every single promise God has ever given us, the very name of God itself assures us. Every single promise in the scripture that is ours, the name Elohim is God blaring out to us, he who is infinite in power is also absolutely faithful. Whatever he's promised, he has the power, the power to perform. And whatever he has the power to perform, he is faithful to keep it. You see, when we talk about God and we use his name and we carelessly throw it around, we need to stop and ask ourselves, who is this God about whom we speak? And how often we sing. I want you to listen to this with that definition in mind. Martin Luther wrote, he said, a mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Listen, a mighty fortress, infinite in power, unlimited in strength, a bulwark never failing, absolutely faithful. Our helper, he amid the flood. And then you begin to read. Did we in our own strength confide our striving would be losing? 
were not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. Does ask who that may be. Christ Jesus, it is he. Lord Sabaoth, his name, from age to age the same, and he must win the battle. Why? Because he's infinite, unlimited in his power. And I believe if God's people would begin to understand who this God is we are praying to, when you get on your knees and you say, Dear God, what are you saying? Are you talking to somebody who's weak? Are you talking to somebody that you do not know personally? To whom are you addressing that prayer? You're saying to you, to the one who is infinite in power, to you, faithful, absolutely faithful to every promise. Listen, you ought to be able to get up off your knees with total confidence that God is going to answer your prayer. You and I are worshiping and praying and singing and praising a personal God whose very name is a testimony and a proclamation to us, infinite in power, absolute in his faithfulness, and we ought to walk in that kind of confidence. When that thing hit me, all of a sudden, God just convicted me of something, something that he'd asked of me to do that I had not done. And I said to him that I would do it, but I didn't know how to do it. And so I guess I just sort of floated along asking, Lord, show me how. And maybe there was some uh, doubt in my mind of how he would work it all out. When I read that passage of scripture, I found myself flat on my face before God, weeping, and I'll tell you why I was weeping, to think that I could get on my knees before God and call his name in prayer and ever doubt by the very nature of God that he would not fulfill to the very nth degree exactly what he promised. And I found myself worshiping God and praising God and hallelujahing to God and confessing that to him. How could I ever turn to Genesis chapter 1 again? And my friends, you think of the promises that God's given you in the book. How can you ever turn to Genesis chapter 1 and say to an unbeliever, listen, in the beginning, God. You can't say that unless you believe he's infinite in his power, absolute in his faithfulness. And that's the reason you and I can say to a lost man, if you'll turn your life over to Jesus Christ, he who is infinite in his power, he who's faithful to his word, he'll save you on the spot. I'll tell you, my friend, we talk about him as if we know him, and we don't even know what his name means. I want you to get a hold of that. Elohim, he is supernaturally powerful and absolutely faithful. And I'll tell you, when I think about that, I could shout for the simple reason. That means he whom we worship is adequate, sufficient, and faithful to meet every single need of our life. And you need to get that into your kid's heart, in their minds. Who is this God? When I think about that particular name, Elohim, I feel like God shouts out of that name, trust me, trust me, I'm powerful enough. Trust me, trust me, trust me, trust me. In the beginning, trust me. He created the heavens and the earth, trust me. He created the sun, trust me. He created man, trust me. He's going to send us a savior, trust me. God, Elohim, he says, trust me, I am supernaturally able and I am faithful to my word. There's a second word for God, and that's the word Jehovah. The word Jehovah was the most sacred name in the whole Hebrew religion. It was the most sacred name for the whole Hebrew society. The word Jehovah, in fact, was so holy and sacred that when they read the Ten Commandments, and if you recall, the seventh verse of Exodus chapter 20, listen. God said, Thou shalt not take the name 
of the Lord thy God in vain. Thou shalt not take the name of Jehovah in vain. In fact, the Hebrews were so conscious of that, around 300 B.C., they decided not to even speak the name because of the penalty of blaspheming the name of God. Now, I want us to look at uh, a couple of passages here. Let's go back to um, uh, Exodus for just a moment. And uh, I want us to see, first of all, in chapter 3. And you recall that uh, here God is speaking to Moses. And in the 10th verse of chapter 3, listen to what he says. So let's begin in verse 10. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayst bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Moses said unto God, Elohim, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve Elohim upon this mountain. Moses said unto Elohim, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and shall say unto them, The Elohim, the supernatural one, absolutely faithful, infinite in his power of your fathers hath sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, what is his name? That was very important. He says, now, when they say, what's his name, what am I going to say? And listen to what he says. What shall I say to them? And Elohim said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, thus shall thou say unto the children of Israel, I am had sent me unto you. What is he saying? That is a description of Jehovah. Everlasting, eternal, ever existing. Never a time when he did not exist. When they ask you, what is the name of your God? Which God sent you? You tell them that the great I am had sent you. Jehovah God, the eternal existing one has sent you. Well, when you look at that phrase, I am. Listen, verse 15, and God said moreover unto Moses, listen, Elohim, God said moreover unto Moses, you say to the children of Israel, the Lord God, Jehovah of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob had sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. Verse 16, go and gather the elders of Israel together and say unto them, the Lord God, Jehovah, hath sent me unto you. Now, what does that word mean? It means self-existent. It means everlasting. That says something about the majesty of God. It says something about the grandeur of God. It says something about the whole spectrum of life. Because you and I are not serving a God who has a beginning. Listen, when people say, where did Jesus begin? In Bethlehem? No. Eternal he is. And if you recall in John chapter 1, look in John chapter 1 for just a moment. In John chapter 1, the scripture says, in the beginning was the word. Now, that is in the beginning of creation, was, past tense, past tense, something is going on in the past. He says, when you stand on the threshold of the beginning of time, he says, you can look back before time and what will you find? you'll find that the Word, that is Jesus Christ, was. The Word was with, face-to-face -face relationship with Elohim. And the Word was Elohim, supernatural in His power, absolute in His faithfulness. And if you take a Greek Bible, and you will begin to trace 
uh, some words. It'll be interesting in, um, well, let's go to the book of John. In John chapter 8, there are several verses here. I want you to notice something. Look, if you will, in verse 28. Then said Jesus unto them, When you have lifted the Son of Man, when you've lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am. When Jehovah identified himself to Moses, how did he identify himself? He says, I, when they ask you who sent you, you tell them I am have sent you. You can go all the way through. In fact, there are several verses here in the book of John. Let's take uh, verse 56 of the same chapter. Look there for just a moment. Verse 58 of the eighth chapter. Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, what? I am. Before Abraham was, I am. When he said that, those Jews like to rip their clothes off. Because that was about as blasphemous as they could ever hear. That here was an itinerant Nazarene carpenter walking around saying, Before Abraham their sacred father was, Jesus said, I am. Because he was and is Jehovah, the everlasting, ever-existing one. His total existence is to be found in himself. When you and I read the book of John, what do you find? You find the Lord Jesus Christ saying, I am, what? I am bread of life. I am way, the truth, and the life. I am door of life. I am good shepherd. All the way through, what do you find? You find the ever-present God in Christ saying, I am. He is the sum total of the revelation of who Jehovah is. And that's why when men say, I believe in God, but I don't believe in Jesus, you cannot. When men say, I believe in God, but I do not believe in Jesus, ask them, will you please identify and define to me the God in whom you believe? Oh, they say, I believe in the God in Genesis chapter 1 who created the heavens and the earth. Oh, you do. Then let me tell you who he is. He is the one who has supernatural strength, absolutely faithful. Oh, you believe in, in the Lord, in the Old Testament. God, oh, is that right? His name is Jehovah, and he is the I am. And one other person said, I am, and his name is Jesus. And the man who tries to avoid John chapter 14 and verse 6 when Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. You know why he can't come to the Father? Because he and the Father are what? They are one. Jehovah everlasting God. And that's why the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Why? Because he's never been in need. He never came into being. He's always been. He always will be. Jehovah the great I am is God. And it is absolutely impossible for a man to tell you and to know what he's talking about that he believes in God, but he does not believe in Jesus Christ. Ask him to define for you who is the God in whom he believes. Thank you for listening to his incomparable name. If you'd like to know more about Charles Stanley or InTouch Ministries, stop by InTouch.org. This podcast is a presentation of InTouch Ministries, Atlanta, Georgia.